Thank you. 
some guys will uproot, leave their work, their church, and even their family to go to seminary because they can't afford to bring their entire family with them. Um, and things happen, right? They, 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 they get involved with ministry at the seminary there and decide, you know, I'm not going to go back. I'll bring my family here and continue ministering in the city, and I'm not going to bother going back to where I came from. And so the church there loses that kind of well-trained leader. Other people will go and start seminary and So there are a number of, there are other uh, factors as well, but a number of reasons why, uh, even as the church is growing and new, new churches are being planted, seminaries are struggling to stay afloat and are not in a position to exercise the kind of uh, influence in the development of the church as we'd like to see. So that then sent me on a, a journey trying to imagine a new approach to training pastors in conjunction with some of these colleagues of mine. Um, that would allow us to bring rich, robust, and yet accessible uh, training in theology, in scripture, and in basic ministry skills. And out of that came this idea of a certificate program. So not a master's, not a bachelor's, a certificate, kind of a lo the lowest level, lowest denominator academically. Uh, and we would focus basically on scripture and have a, maybe a seven, eight week course So what's going on? Well, you know, why are you calling? And it's like, well, happy birthday and so forth. I just want to know what, what kind of progress is coming. Are you ready to start this program? <laughs> are, you, are you kidding me? I'm going to need at least five more years before we start our first pilot course. And <laughs> he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we need something right now because we are planting churches and we have nothing to give to our guys. We have no training to give them. And she knows me from a course that I did with Gordon Conwell in Bolivia, some of you may recall, a couple of years ago, uh, about 40 of these bishops and other pastors um, have been receiving some really rich training through Gordon Conwell uh, with a kind of modular approach where they meet in different cities around South America, Central America, 
and Gordon Conwell sends professors down for a week at a time <coughs> to go through a course, an intensive course. So he's like, you know what we really need? We need you to start something now. Uh, he says, why don't you get in a plane and come visit me? I'm like, yeah, but you live in Argentina. <laughs> That's not happening. Uh, so a month later, I was in Argentina. <laughs> and this is me, uh, wide-eyed and mouth agape, looking out the taxi window. I just, afterwards, I thought, oh, this is a great picture. This, this is Buenos Aires, which is a big, thriving, bustling city. Has anyone been to Buenos Aires? Can I speak freely? <laughs> OK. Um, so uh, it's just crazy, flying north to south in, in the southern cone, as they call it. Um, you pass through the night. You always fly through the night. You arrive at 4 AM, get to your hotel at 5.30 kind of thing. So David meets me. We'll look at the next, next, next uh, maybe you can the next slide. <clears throat> this is David and his wife, Claudia, and their children. Uh, I was in their home. Uh, David lives in one of the uh, towns outside I was going to say suburb, but it doesn't look anything at all like a suburb, <laughs> like we think of suburb, uh, outside of uh, Buenos Aires. We spent the first day, he kind of gave me a foot tour uh, of downtown Buenos Aires, and saw some museums, some nice uh, <coughs> water, uh, water area, river passing through and what have you. And then we'd sit down at one point, it's hot. I think it's been really nice to have you. I realized he's buttering me up for something. He's like, Jerry, we need you to start something next month. We really need anything you can give. Because he knows. He's thinking, well, you're a professor. You just pull something out of your hat and just teach it. it anything. <coughs> and so, Bobby, this is, this is inconceivable. Well, come to my church tonight, okay? You can preach tonight, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what people think and see if the Lord changes your heart. I'm like, whoa, 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 let's go back a couple steps. He didn't say anything. Preach, right, in Spanish <laughs> with no preparation at all. This is the way they do things, right? Um, and this, he and I traveled uh, Peru, I'll get to in a moment, Argentina, several different churches. At each church, he gathered together. The, all the people that you'll see in the churches are not uh, laity, but pastors and lay leaders who are tasked with oversight and leadership of various ministries for their church or their denomination. These are, he, he put out the word, there's this professor from the United States coming down, he's, he's going to be starting a program, you've got to come, and people came. It's, it's incredible. And so I got to see him in action as well. And he's a very, very dynamic uh, speaker, he's just bub bubbling with any energy, bursting with energy, all day long, we're traipsing all over Buenos Aires, and I'm ready for a nap, he's like, all right, now let's go to the church, and get on this taxi and get on a bus and a subway and a plane and a train and we finally get to his church outside the city and, and the, the service had already begun. Like, no problem, no problem. Like, by the way, I'm not preaching. Um, so it's like, okay, no problem, no problem, I'll preach. Have you prepared anything? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets his Bible and he looks up and goes, okay, I'll preach on this. Oh my goodness. <coughs> So what he does, you can go to the next slide. I just, I just couldn't believe it. Oh, okay, you know what, go, go forward another one. One more. Okay, this, this, this picture just makes me smile. So we're standing up in front of this whole church. He's like, well, I'll, why don't you come up um, and, and I'll, before I preach, I'll, I'll ask you a couple questions. I'm like, okay, fine. And so he gets up, we get up there and he says, so 
why is theological education so important? Uh, you know, it's a thing about verse in the Bible. He asked me beforehand, so I was like, I'm thinking uh, Romans 12 too, um, right? And so he uh, he brings up his Bible and he reads the verse and he gives me the Bible. It's like, why is education, theological education, so why why should we be studying Scripture for ministry? And he gives me the microphone and sits down. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be kidding me! Right? And my my Spanish is still I am still my knees kind of knock when I'm in front of people. With Spanish and so forth, so I, I've still got survival Spanish. My brain is never going to actually get to full fluency, I don't think. <clears throat> so I was, I was so grateful for that opportunity. <laughs> um, so here we are. This is, uh, this is in his church. All right, uh, and there, you just, you just couldn't believe all the people wrapped attention the whole time I'm standing there trying to say something ad hoc in, in Spanish. So I just read Romans 12:2. And, I mean, the Lord opened my mind. And, and I, just, I just said, you know, I'm just going to back up. Let's talk through Romans. How many times Bible study leaders do that kind of thing? Right? Or pastors. I mean, Romans just lends itself so beautifully to that. Just walking through chapter by chapter. Sin, salvation, sanctification, uh, hope of redemption, resurrection, spirit. Uh, and the funny chapters with Israel, 9 to 11. Kind of moves quickly over that. Uh, and then we're at chapter 12. Right? Therefore... How then shall we live? Right? And now, in this denomination, in, in, in Pentecostalism in general, they're, they're likely to begin with, how then shall we live? Right? But what happens when your teaching about the Christian life begins with the, how then shall we live? Without recourse to the first 11 chapters of theology that Paul gives us. Right? If, you're, if, you're, if, if your teaching about how we ought to live is not deeply rooted in the gospel, then what results? Legalism. Moralism. Be good. Period. Right? And that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, is it? Right? Uh, and so that, that's, that, that was kind of what I was trying to drive home to them. We need to be studying scripture and theology and understand the gospel more deeply, i.e. Romans 1 11, so that our, you know, our, our lives, our discipleship, our obedience, our ministry is, uh, is rooted in that foundation. That's a mixture of metaphors. It's, it's rooted in that soil, that rich soil, right? We, we need to, and so that's the reason we need to be studying scripture. We need to be studying theology. <clears throat> and isn't it striking that Paul gives this rich teaching about how we live, 12, 13, 14, 15, uh, following 11 chapters of theology. Now, this is, I'm trying to get through this in Spanish, and I have about half an hour, I'm realizing, boy, this guy is shrewd. <laughs> he accomplished exactly his goal. <laughs> um, and, and at the end of it, hands are going up. And I'm like, you know, for all of my lousy Spanish, I mean, they were, they were with me. They were, they were excited. Right? And afterwards, people coming up, like, oh, bless you, Professor, bless you, thank you for coming. And in Argentina, they have the, the custom of kissing on both cheeks. You, you, uh, they, they'll kiss this cheek and then kiss the other cheek. Men and men, women and women, men and women, everybody. Uh, the entire church files up after the service and kisses both cheeks. <laughs> And Don Beats like, oh, I'm sorry, I should have told you that. And everyone else in the Latin world, you, you touch one cheek to the other cheek and kiss the air, and that's it. Here, they kiss on the cheek, both cheeks. 
do it in Argentina. <clears throat> well, let's, can you back up a couple slides, Nate? Okay, we also traveled to Peru. Uh, David, pastoring in Argentina, is actually from a city called Chimbote. Chimbote. Lima is the capital. This is a uh, picture in Lima, in Lima. Uh, I arrived again, I think early afternoon, something like that, in Lima, Peru, met up with David. Uh, we did, we had a lot of conversation this time, so there wasn't gonna be any surprises. I was kind of catching on to his uh, modus operandi. Um, and then we got on a bus, traveled all night, without sleep, to Chimbote, about seven hours up the coast, to this fishing village. Next slide. Okay, very big fishing village. Uh, absolutely dwarfs Gloucester, where we used to live. Um, <clears throat> couldn't believe how close I could get to this bird. Um, I forget the stats. It was something like 20 years ago, Chimbote produced like a quarter of the world's fish, or some such thing. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Huge, huge fishing village. Tons of activity, boats all over the place. Uh, again, he, that, he takes me here. This is his hometown. And uh, gives me a tour and a tour of the amphitheater. Hey, this, this has been fantastic. This has been wonderful learning about the fishing and so forth. And I was uh, getting late in the day. I'm thinking, you know, given what I've experienced with David, something's coming. Oh, well. So, next. So, he, yeah, sure enough, uh, you know, as we're getting toward the end of the day, we're sitting down having dinner before our first big meeting with a church. And he's like, Jerry, we, we, we can't wait any longer. We need you to start a program now. Uh, I was like, well, I was thinking maybe September. No, 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 no. We need something now. This is this is in late April. He says we need something for May. Oh. We need you to do whatever you can do. Just begin teaching. <clears throat> and so, um, uh, Nate, go ahead one more. I'm sorry, these are a little bit. Oh no, back, <laughs> back, back one more. There we go. Okay. So we come to this this uh, one of the. One of the bigger churches in the city, we had multiple services at this church, and then services at two other churches uh, around town. And these were Assemblies of God churches. We're working with like two, two or three different denominations under the umbrellas of the Church of God of Prophecy, very Pentecostal, and the Assemblies of God, which you're probably more familiar with. <clears throat> and again, he has, he has high-level connections in both denominations. And both denominations, whatever your prior experience or thoughts about the, these, these traditions, there is a growing awareness that their churches are not healthy. And a big part of the reason is the pastors are not rooted in scripture. They're not rooted in theology. And from the, the top down, these denominations are beginning to, to work to find ways to bring training to their people. Not, not just the people who are already pastoring for 10 years or 30 years or what have you, but for the young guys coming up who may want to see planting churches, right? And so it's, I can't imagine a more strategic partnership because these are the denominations that are growing the, the, most, the most rapidly. Um, and there's an openness now that there wasn't in the past to study, to scripture, to theology, to thinking about how we preach, right? The shape of a sermon, how we counsel, what's the end goal of counseling, right? Raising up church leaders, what makes for a good leader? I, I have a dear brother from the PCA who I, I was, he's actually one of my colleagues in this endeavor. Jordan, uh, one of the presbyteries down in South Carolina. And he's been working with, with churches in Costa Rica now uh, for two years, trying to help them raise up elders. And he 
just can't believe all the issues that arise as you're working with a church to think through what it means to, 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 to raise up elders. Well, what is an elder? What's, it, what's his role? Or what kind of man should he be? And what's his relationship to the pastor? Right? Because it, traditionally in the Latin church, the pastor is the king. Right? And, and the, the people are his subjects. Uh, and so there are all kinds of issues of authority, of character, of mission that arise as you're working with churches from this kind of background, uh, and trying to help them learn how to raise up elders and so forth. <clears throat> so that we, uh, we, we were talking at several of these different churches, and again, the people gathered are pastors and church leaders in their denominations. And they come because someone said that there was someone who might be offering some teaching on the Bible. It's, it's just unbelievable to me. It, it was an incredible experience. It was incredibly grueling. Physically, I, I don't enjoy travel, and Peru is a very tough, very tough place. Uh, in fact, Buenos Aires, I was taken aback. I, I have these kind of rosy thoughts, I guess, about Buenos Aires, from what I've always heard. Beautiful city, wonderful place, and it is. Uh, but there are also pockets of real poverty. Uh, and just the police presence that you feel and so forth, I've never experienced before. And so it was, it was tiring, it was exhausting on a, on a deep level, and yet it was moving to see so many people come up. And then after the service, Nate, Nate next one, I have people coming up to me uh, and saying, we want to sign up, we want to sign up, right? When are you going to start this program? Thank you for coming. Thank you for your word on Romans 12. I couldn't believe I was getting compliments on this miniature sermon, shooting from the hip in broken Spanish. Thank you for your word. I'm just realizing they're just not accustomed to having scripture open and having the pastor talk about the Bible. <coughs> okay, this man is the kind of the, 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 the head, the leader of all of the um, Assemblies of God churches in this region of Peru, a very influential individual. Dubby told me nothing about it until after everything was done. I don't think he wanted me to be nervous. Um, but as we're finishing up, uh, with the service that he was there for, a lot of people, again, big church, those, the, the seats went out quite a ways, a voice kind of echoes in the hall and all that. He comes up, kind of hastily, before we finish, and takes the microphone, and he says, this is really important, we need to be signing up for this. And he turns to me and says, put my name on the, on the top of the list, I want to be signed up for the first course that you teach. Right, making a symbolic gesture for everyone else to follow. A very, very important moment. And I just thought this was an interesting picture while David is speaking. I was sitting back a bunch of rows. And this, I just thought it was telling. This is what was happening the whole time he and I were speaking. Every church we went to, people were sitting there taking notes. They're just not accustomed to feeding from the Word of God. Last book. <clears throat> Why does this matter? I'm just going to say one, one quick word about that, and I'm going to go to where uh, to, to our own next steps here. Um, this matters because of what I just alluded to with Romans 12. Right? If you don't have the rooting in Scripture and theology and understanding of the gospel, of who God is, of what his mission in the world is, of our role in it, and so forth, right? then what, what, on what basis are you thinking about your life and the way you live and what it means to honor the Lord, what it means to, to obey the Lord, and so forth. Our understanding of how we live grows out of our understanding of the gospel, of who God is, and what he wants of us, and so forth. 
remember that some of the pictures that I was putting up, but missional work of a, of a mercy nature is hampered in the, in, the, in the Latin world, and I would guess the same thing would be true in other regions as well. It's hampered by the lack of rooting of scripture, the lack of, of, of integrity of faith. And so you have this phenomenon of a poor city where you have a really rich ministry being driven by outside missionaries coming in and trying to uh, help local uh, Christian women, for example, start a small business so that they can have a little bit of money to bring home to their family and then build the business a little bit more and learn how to make loans to other Christian women. And so it's a multiplying kind of ministry, right? Bible study woven into this. Just some really rich ministries like this happening. But then they go home, and their husband beats them and takes the money and goes to the bar. Um, and the, the question is, well, gosh, how do, we, how do we reach those men? How do we reach those husbands and, and give them the gospel and bring them to church with their wives? But no, no, they're, they're in church. They're already at the church. They're, they're Christians. But, whoa, wait a minute, what? Right? And what you discover is that when, when scripture is not a part of the pastor's ministry, right, the, the biblical ministry is absent, um, then it, it, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no structure to the faith and the way that we live as God's people. Um, and so even some of the, the mercy ministries that we in the North support and, and, and are excited to see unfold, even working with orphans, our experience, my wife's and my frustration was our inability to stir up interest among local Costa Rican churches and Christians, close friends. Guys, we're, we're getting ready to leave for three years. We've been doing this and trying to get people to come out. Can someone come and keep taking these boys to the soccer club? Can someone come on Sunday afternoon and play a few songs, say a few words from scripture, right? Pray with these children, offer snacks, tutor them in math or reading or whatever. You, you can't find interest um, in, in reaching out. And so forth. This, this is why we need to, to be working on theological education in the global south. And it's not just in South America. My experience is in the Latin world, but I know from conversations with colleagues and from the literature, similar patterns exist in Africa, in, in parts of Asia, and so forth, where the church is growing rapidly, but pastors are not grounded in scripture, they're not grounded in theology, or in basic ministry skills. So, with a couple of minutes left, we... I took David's advice, I listened uh, to him, and I felt like I needed to take the first tenuous steps for testing some of the ideas I've been developing. Uh, I had a couple of colleagues working with me, David worked closely, and we, led, we, we started a pilot program, uh, not a pilot, a pilot course. Uh, we studied the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, as we call it, the books of Moses. And, and we wove into that, uh, kind of overlaid uh, that our study of the Pentateuch with an exposition of the Apostles' Creed. And so each week we would recite the Apostles' Creed. I had another uh, pastor uh, friend who's really strong, he's in the evangelical free church, uh, great Spanish, and he did a little lesson, an eight minute video recording uh, exposition of successive parts of the Apostles' Creed. Just kind of grounding people a little bit in the doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of salvation, uh, the church, who is the church, what are we for, and so forth. Resurrection. Um, all new for the people who were in this course. 50 people matriculated uh, from six or seven countries, including Spain, 
someone in Spain had heard about this and was up at 2 o'clock in the morning each week to be a part of the video. Uh, so we used a, a, a virtual conferencing platform. Um, I designed the, the class meetings. A colleague of mine would do the presentation because he had better Spanish. David would field questions from the students uh, via this, it was kind of like a Skype platform. It's called Adobe Connect. Um, and all kinds of bumps in the road. Technology was a, uh, was a struggle at points. Um, internet access was a problem in some contexts. We overcame that in some contexts by using tuition money to buy high-speed internet for the church, the closest church in the region. And then everyone would go to the church and log on that way or watch uh, the, the presentation up live on the screen. An incredible experience, uh, a difficult experience. A lot, of, it, it ended the week after we came back here. And because of the way life has been the last four weeks, I, I still haven't been able to sit through all of the lessons and observations that were made along the way. Um, our single biggest need going forward is going to be help. I need partners. I, I, need, I need people with some tech background. I need people who have some theological training who can do the teaching in Spanish. Um, in partnership with me as I design class meetings and so forth. Um, I need help with recruiting students. Th these, these, uh, th these trips that David and I made, Argentina and Peru, he went on to Colombia and Chile, were incredibly effective. Incredibly effective in stirring up interest and making people aware of this. But they were also incredibly taxing and demanding. And, and I, I spent two, a little more than two weeks away from my family during the month of April that I don't, I don't want to be able to, I don't want to have to keep doing that. Um, it'll be even more effective when they're led by, by Latin. So we're at a place now, go ahead, uh, Nate, where, okay, next one. <clears throat> well, okay, a couple, just a, a couple real quick of the, uh, the needs, Nate, next. Um, we have some recruiting partners. Um, I, I need to do a better job, I learned, of accommodating their academic um, I won't say deficiencies, but the, the, uh, their lack of experience in an academic context. And so every assignment I gave them, they didn't do. No one, no one did the assignments that I gave. Um, and I, I gave more and more explanation for each assignment as the course went on, thinking, well, that's the problem, because I'm not explaining it in enough detail. Um, no, that's not the problem. It's not going to do work outside of class, at least not traditional academic work. Now, they were thrilled to get together outside of class via Skype or Google Hangouts. There was something exciting about meeting with someone in this country, in that country, a guy in Europe, and we're all talking about this, the questions that we had from last week's teaching about the sacrificial system in Leviticus, right? And what's that got to do with the gospel? And so that's exciting. But if we have to read something or write something, that's not going to happen. Next one. So we need to do a better job of, of uh, working with their academic uh, background. Okay, next, next. Okay, one of the interesting things, uh, Adobe Connect, each person that signs in, there's a little icon next to them showing you what kind of device that they're using. And it is striking how many are, were tuning in via I, a smartphone, not iPhone, but smartphones of some kind. They're watching the video, listening to the recording, the PowerPoint, they're texting into the chat, all that, with the, the, the phones. And there are special considerations that you have to take into account when you're designing a class meeting for mobile users. Another big challenge was the number of people who didn't have sufficient bandwidth where they were, and so they would, they would simply vanish. They, they would lose, 
connection with us partway through the course and then come back in and then go back out. And we have to think through better how we're going to handle that in the future. Last one, Nate. <coughs> and this is the final point. Uh, even as I'm working on developing this program, a colleague of mine at the one really strong seminary I know of in the Latin world, Fuspece, Seminario Biblico in Medellin, Colombia, is developing uh, a kind of a parallel program. Uh, he's working with his school to, to reach hundreds of pastors on a certificate level, uh, even as he develops a new kind of master's program that I see as perfectly situated to be producing teachers to help us meet the needs of teaching and training the, the <coughs> tens of thousands of pastors across the Latin world. And so even as we return to the US, I'm actually ramping up my involvement with my colleague in Colombia. Uh, I'm working with him presently over the next six months to translate uh, language materials, so Greek, uh, the, the first Greek course. Uh, there's a wonderful um, virtual course in Greek that exists in English that some seminaries in the US are using today. And we're translating that into Spanish so that he can use it for his program. Uh, he has me signed up for two, to, for three courses um, at his school the next year and a half. Courses that are uh, at the center of this master's program that he's developing. I'm very excited about that because it gives me exposure to these kind of higher level students that I can then begin funneling into my own program and using to be teaching people in their language, in their culture, and so forth. So a lot of interesting things happening. Um, for this, because of the, I mean, the, the desire to move forward with the program, with the collaboration at Seminario Biblico in Colombia, um, as I've alluded to in, in um, past correspondence, we are not retiring from missions or from our agency. We're scaling back to quarter time with United World Mission. So we will will require less support, but will continue to require support to pay for uh, licensing for the platform as we expand that the Adobe Connect platform that we're using. Uh, the occasional trip to South America for recruiting, I'll be traveling to Seminario Biblica to, uh, for teaching purposes, and then just a quarter salary for the, the hours that I'm putting in, the, the course design, and the, the program development, and so forth. Um, so just mindful of the clock. Uh, I'll, I'll conclude there. Do we have a uh, minute for questions or should we, should we do this? I think you should tell them about uh, joining Gordon Conwell in South Carolina. Okay. Right. <laughs> left that part out. Uh, the reason we left Costa Rica, um, we, we had actually been uh, come to a point in January where I began to think, you know, we need to move back to the United States in order for me to really move forward with this program and the work that I want to do with uh, Chris, uh, my friend Chris in Colombia. Uh, we, we need to be probably either in Charlotte, where our agency is, and I have access to some good libraries, and it's a nice hub for travel to the south, or in Boston, where our family is, and I've done quite a bit of teaching up here, the campus here. Um, and less than a month later, I get a call out of nowhere from the, the dean at the Charlotte campus of Gordon Conwell saying we have an opening, would you, what would you be interested in uh, uh, applying for? And so, long story short, very rapid process, and they, they gave me the job. Uh, so I'll be an assistant professor of New Testament at the Charlotte campus of North Carolina, which is a, a fast-growing campus. 
they are very excited about the work that I've been doing in Costa Rica and this pastor training program. There's a strong missional bent among the faculty at the school. Several of them spend time overseas each year, as much as six months overseas each year. Um, my agency is very, United World Mission is very keen to see us continue moving forward with the work that we've been doing on the pastor training side. Um, so it's, it feels like a brave new world that I'm trying to imagine how all of this happens on a weekly, weekly basis. Um, but it's, it's immensely strategic uh, ministry that the Lord has begun to raise up. Uh, and we're, we're excited to see how things are going to develop. So we're grateful for your support these last five years. Um, it's meant a lot to us to have not only financial support, but prayer support and emails periodically as people are asking for information about this ministry or that ministry. We felt your support heartily. Uh, so we're grateful for that, and we'd be grateful for your prayers as we transition now to this new stage. Yeah, I think we have time for a couple of questions. Are there any? I noticed um, in the pictures of, of the places where you said people came because they want to be trained, a lot of women. So is that going to be hard for you, theologically, where you are with that, training women to go out and uh, a lot of the, most of the women are not pastoring. They're involved with outreach or children's ministry or what have you. There are, as you know, many, many female pastors in the Assemblies of God. The Church of God of Prophecy, as I said, is also very Pentecostal. This is the reality in the denominations that are growing most rapidly. My thought, the thought of my also PCA colleague um, in Costa Rica is they can go into the pulpit with no knowledge of the Bible, but they can go into the pulpit with some knowledge of the Bible, and I'd rather be the latter. And in any case, it's, it ends up being the decision of the denomination rather than me, especially as a North American. Um, I have to be really careful what I'm saying in regard to, you know, you can't do this, and you shouldn't do that. The way we do things is different and so forth. My colleague and I both are sort of subtly sowing seeds of covenant theology, Form theology and so forth along the way, but there's only so hard that we can push <laughs> on some of these issues. So, yeah. Other questions? All right. Um, well, Jerry, it's been exciting to see God's providence, and as we have the congregation, some a lot of you are new. You didn't know that uh, Jerry is a child of the congregation. Uh, grew up in a congregation, served here while going to seminary and uh, with the youth and all the rest. And uh, we've seen him through the nations, uh, from Japan to uh, training in Scotland, you know, and uh, just all the different places. And uh, one of the things that I always am amazed in watching your family, Jessica, is just seeing God's faithfulness. You know, we don't know how the, how the world is this next step going to happen, right? And yet uh, you, you just uh, see that God's been faithful sought to be faithful to him. So rejoice in that. Uh, they'll be here. We're willing to serve coming in between time. I think they're in service and maybe afterwards they can talk to them have all your questions. So uh, let me uh, pray for that. Father in God, uh, I thank you for your mercies to us that are new every day. And um, I thank you that uh, for what I've been reading recently uh, from John Piper about future grace. We want it all now, Lord. We want to see 
to you and find your grace sufficient. And uh, we rejoice in that. Thank you for being partners with them, even in this change, and uh, rejoice in it. And we will look forward to seeing in the future your good work with them. We trust them to you, Lord. Thank you for giving them strength. Um, we thank you that, uh, for the new changes that will be in our lives. We pray especially for the children as they uh, are coming into new territory for them. Rejoice in these things and uh, entrust ourselves to you for Christ's sake and ask indeed.